I always equate when you go eat at a tasting menu at a restaurant, it's the same as listening to the whole album of of your favorite music artist. You know, instead of you know, you can go get a go to a restaurant where it's all a card and you order only order one dish. Well, that's like the same as just listening to one track. Welcome to the Atlanta Foodcast. Stories from the people who are making Atlanta the greatest city for eaters. I'm your host, Ben Getz. When it comes to stories here on the show, some of the things that I'm the most interested in is finding out just how people got their start in the kitchen and what kind of eater they were, uh, which food or foods really inspire or inspired them, and especially who cooked for them growing up. It's my favorite question to ask. And this week, you'll hear from Chef Ron Sue, and he's a little bit of a kindred spirit. Much of his life was spent in the kitchen with his family, a family made up of chefs, cooks, restaurant owners, and culinaries. And his story started right here in Georgia, and it's taken him all over, and now he's back to open his first restaurant, Lazy Betty. So, without further ado, here's my conversation with Chef Ron Sue. Never. Yeah, when so. I when I when the final table came out and I saw myself on TV and hearing myself, I'm like, God, I sound ridiculous. I was so. gonna say, like, it's it's one thing to like it's one thing to like hear yourself speaking. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're listening to something that was recorded and it's your own voice, you're just like, yeah, whatever. You know, but then when you see yourself moving around and like you're watching your own mouth move and then you're also talking and then you hear you know, possibly like dumb shit that you said. You're like, oh man. That's like everything I say. <laughs> but like, it's it's really hard when you're when you're on TV. You yeah. know, every yeah. time that I've ever done like a segment in my life, I'm like watching myself. Like, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. Like, yeah. why was that okay in my mind? Yeah. But yeah. yeah. But um. But no, I mean, this is really cool. I um. I'm really really stoked to to catch up with you and like it's cool too. I mean, like I think I mentioned this like right before we we started recording. Like, I love changing up the the spot. You know, mm-hmm. like I I think you you mentioned like. You know, throughout season one, Crock Street was like a really regular place, like same table, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes like same time of day. Um, so this is cool. I actually haven't been over it. We're actually sitting at Proof right now. Yep. Right on the cab. So watching Marta go by and <laughs> coffee, giant uh, croissants and, and everything all said and done. But yeah, I love this place. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. But um, but man, uh, Chef Ron Sue, like welcome to the Atlanta Foodcast, brother. Thank you, Ben. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. I feel like I see you every day whenever I walk my baby, but good to actually well, <laughs> meet when we are scheduled <laughs> that, to meet. Yeah, that's uh, that's actually a really fun thing to mention. We're we're Beltline yeah, buddies. We are. So yeah, we uh, we're we're both over there in the Highlands, and uh, you're. I mean, you're just up from us. So because we're we're like we're just down. Uh, Pont's place and yeah, yeah we're we're both like walking with our kids and that's right and, yep. and now we're catching up on the podcast yeah, we're probably gonna have a lot of dad jokes uh, you know warning <laughs> exactly. uh people if yeah you don't want dad jokes might want to turn off the podcast yeah exactly <laughs> i know no, i don't know if i mean i think you and i would have a blast but you know <laughs> listening to like two dads like talk about like dad stuff yeah diapers and exactly pampers but, yeah you like, know we're, stroller yeah. strategies let's veer off from that road we're yeah. ready diving down that road exactly so. <laughs> but man I'm, I'm really stoked to catch up with you, you you guys have a ton of, I mean, you guys have so much momentum going into 2019. I mean, coming off of like a really, really busy, like back half of 2018 and yes. so much stuff coming up with Lazy Betty. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, your whole family's in the business. Like there's so much that I, I want to like kind of, you know, dive into. Um, but before we get, you know, too much into your background, because uh, I know that you listen to the show. Right, <laughs> so right. you get the inescapable first question that everybody else gets on the show. So tell me. 
Who cooked for you growing up, and what kind of cook was he or she? Uh, I really had two uh, figures in my life that cooked for me as a as a child, and that those were both matriarchs in my family, um, and so so many other chefs. Uh, the first one was my grandmother, because she would always uh, be the one to babysit me and my my siblings, because my 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 mother and father had restaurants growing up so they were doing their dinner service and lunch service and you know doing restaurant stuff while my grandmother would babysit me and the second person was my mother um Betty who our forthcoming restaurant is named after so those were definitely the two biggest influences in my life man Um, as as a child it's funny like uh, you know we didn't have a we lived in Henry County and we had a little probably about a two acre lot on our house so we had a little chicken pen and my, one of my jobs when I got home from school was to meet my grandmother in the chicken pen and chase the chicken into my grandmother's arms so she would butcher it and get it ready for dinner. Get out. Yeah, so that was my first job. Uh, I guess kitchen prep job was <laughs> to chase these chickens in our backyard. Um, and the funny thing is I would, you know, I would invite my friends over or neighbors over for, for, for Chinese food, and they would come over and they would see these chickens hanging from our, our gutter and they're like, what is going on at your house? And I'm like, that's our dinner. And I'm like, why are they there? And, like, and I'm like, they're bleeding out so we can have dinner ready. And then it didn't dawn yes. on me that this wasn't normal until like high school when my friends were like, we're not going to go to your house to see these dead chickens. I'm like, why? Like, you know, it's because my parent and, you know, my, my grand. And so not only are my parents and siblings uh, in the restaurant industry, my, my grandparents were also in, uh, in the, in the, well, my parents were also in the uh, restaurant industry. Um, before they migrated to uh, to America, so Man. we we go back a couple generations. Man, so you've just got like food all throughout your family. That's right. Yep. Yep. Very uh, food centric family. Yeah. What kind of eater were you growing up, though? Oh man, uh, another. So, and uh, uh, I would I would definitely clean the plate. Um, and this was also you know an old I guess as my mom would say, which she does say it's not cliche with my family is it's an ancient Chinese secret that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you don't clean your plate and you don't eat all all the grains of rice on your plate, the grains are the grains of rice on your plate will mimic the the imperfections that your spouse will have on their face. So the more you did not clean the plate, the uglier your spouse would be. Oh my gosh! Yep. So my mom was like, clean the plate, don't waste any food, eat all your veggies, otherwise your your husband or wife is gonna have all these pimples and scars on their face. I'm going to use that on my kids. <laughs> yeah. If you don't yeah. eat every single bit of your broccoli, just imagine <laughs> who you're going to marry. Yes, exactly. So, you know. That's good fear. That's, that's good why fear my, tactic. That's why my wife is so beautiful. Yeah. So, because I, I was a good eater growing up. you're a good eater. Up. You're a good right. eater. That's right. That's like, you know, that's like, you can kind of use that on your friends. Like, yeah. you see their spouse or their girlfriend, like, hey, man, um, what kind of eater were you growing up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I had a very uh, unique eating experience growing up. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But t- tell me a little bit about your family. Like, where where is your family? Like, you know, what was the origin of your family? Like, what part of China? Like, where did they okay. come from? Like, where did they kind of emigrate to the sure. to the U.S.? So my my grandparents migrated from uh, from southern China to Malaysia, and that's where my parents were both born in Malaysia. Uh, uh, Cebu is a the part of Malaysia, um, and my father was actually a chef back in Malaysia, and you know, uh, my mom was not in the industry back then when she was still in Malaysia. Uh, she went to, you know, my parents went to grade school together. Then my mom uh, moved on from grade school to go to uh, college in Taiwan. And from Taiwan, she wanted to, you know, further her, her, I guess, her life or have a better opportunity for the future. And she went from uh, Taiwan 
to the States. And, hmm. you know, she made that voyage to San Francisco. And that's actually where my brother and sister, Howard and Anita, were born. Um, and she, I believe she was out there for about uh, until the late 60s. Um, she worked as an in-house kind of like uh, a live-in nanny slash maid where yeah. she worked for a family that basically paid for her housing yeah. and also taught her English. Yeah. Kind of like an au pair. Um, ba- yeah, basically an au pair. Um, and, you know, that's where she kind of got acclimated to life in the States, um, saved up enough money because she didn't have to pay for food or pay for uh, an apartment or anything like that. And, you know, she got an opportunity um, to move to, a, to Georgia to open up a, or to become a partner with a, uh, some friends of hers uh, in a Chinese restaurant. And that's how we ended up being here in Atlanta gotcha. through that move. Yeah. So Howard and Anita, and that's actually a really great thing to mention. You actually have two, two older siblings. That's so right. Howard is the, uh, the oldest and Anita yes. being the middle and, yep. but everyone's here in Atlanta, right? That's right. Um, yep. They, uh, we came over, I would say around 80 in the eighties, late or gotcha. 1980. Um, and yeah, my brother was about six and my sister was about four when mm-hmm. we moved to the to Georgia. Mm-hmm. And I was born actually in Stone Mountain. Um, nice. And that's where the first restaurant was. I think it was called Imperial Garden back then. Um, I don't think it's around anymore. Um, yeah. And, you know, we all kind of just grew up as restaurant kids. Yeah. Well, yeah. and you guys are all still restaurant kids. And we're now we're restaurant adults. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, now you're now you're restaurant yeah. grown ups. That's right. That's yeah. right. No, that's it's super cool. And like, I, I think it's it's great, too. I actually I've known Howard for years. Right. And uh, mostly through everything with Sweet Auburn and the uh, the food truck park. Yeah. Yep. And, um, you know, I, I got to know Howard you know years ago and. Um, like we got to do some things together and, um, still to this day, man, sweet Auburn is still just a, it's a, it's a powerhouse. I mean, like, you know, you're either like hitting up one of the food trucks at an event or the food truck park, or, you know, if you're, if you're hitting up the place over in, um, you know, the, the curb market or, or Ponzi, like Mm -hmm. there's still some of the best damn smoked wings. And like, I mean, everything I've ever had on the menu though, like, and I love like some of the Asian influence that makes it onto the menu. So yeah, but your brother's a cool dude. Yeah. So shout out you. to Howard. Thank you. Yeah. But let's keep the conversation on me. All right. This yeah, exactly. is, I'm just kidding. So, no, Howard. Sorry, a, Howard. Howard's a good dude. Um, <laughs> you know, he, every time I go somewhere with my brother, Howard, he's like, he runs into somebody he knows. Um, everyone, I don't, he, he's got this moniker, the, the mayor of Atlanta because he knows so many people. <laughs> right. Um, but his, you know, our secret is really just bribe people with food and, and like they'll become your friends. It's not so. a bad strategy though. Yeah. Yeah. So. And it works, you know, people yeah. like to eat. So yeah, but it's, it's just really cool. I mean, I love that you have so much restaurant history and, um, you know, I, I love the conversations that I have, you know, where someone kind of finds it in their, um, you know, it's, it's not in their past really. It, they kind of they kind of work their way into the restaurant industry. They find right. the passion. They find the influence. They find the the mentor to kind of like bring them up to speed, essentially. Right. But like when you have it, just it's it, it's it's not just in your blood. I mean, like it is. It's your life. Like your yeah. family has built, you know, your family's name right. on on food. Um, yeah. It's just fun. I mean, because like <laughs> there there is like this um, there's this aspect of of who you become as a person where everything is kind of seen through the lens of food. You right. know, or the kitchen yeah. or the restaurant. Yeah. Um, so it's cool. Yeah, both both my parents are chefs and like right. so Yeah, your I, mother uh, was a pastry chef, right? Yeah, she got yeah. her start as a pastry chef yeah. and you know, they're um you know, they're often doing like, you know, crazy cool things now. But um but yeah, I mean like you know, just uh you know, standing there, you know, watching my mom work, you know, mm-hmm. like managing her team and then mm-hmm. you know, I uh, I just have some of the most like fond memories of of just everything, you know, just was around food and right, being in right. the kitchen and like it was just normal, you know, like yeah. just being in the restaurant to like see my parents work yeah. like 
that was just life. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, I think the, the for for my family, it, it wasn't just about food. It, it went beyond that because food really is a vehicle to bring people together, mm-hmm. and that's what you know. It's, it's the food industry, but first and foremost, it's the hospitality industry, right? Like you yeah. got to be hospitable to people. And growing up, my mom, because she was an immigrant, was kind of a uh, a trailblazer in bringing other immigrants to to Georgia. Um, we have uh, eight other. Well, I have other eight. I have eight other aunts and uncles that my mom brought over from Malaysia slash China slash Taiwan um, back in the late 70s and early 80s to open up or to open up restaurants and also to have a a new shot at life here in in the States. Um, You know, so like and not only that, like a lot of the employees we had growing up in my mom's Chinese restaurant were, were friends of friends and people she didn't know. Right. And she would literally have them come and live at our house growing up and oh wow yeah so like one one day my mom would be like ronald like you know we're getting we're gonna have a new server come and she's friends with aunt margaret um you know like we're gonna let her stay in your room for the next couple months until she can get on her feet so in in our in our house growing up it was just a revolving door of like people that just came to look for a better opportunity but it, it, but the restaurant really is what brought everyone together and and, and for me, that's like really what's so great about food, just bringing people from all different walks of life together. And, and it taught me and my family, like, you know, even if you're coming from halfway across the world and you don't know anyone, like, you know, it's let's be hospitable. Let's open up our doors and welcome people into your, your fa- into your home like their family. Yeah, so for sure. Yeah. Hold the mic like right there. This, yeah, right so here? Like, uh, yeah, like just like right down into it. Got Perfect. it. Perfect. Okay, sorry. Yeah, and th- that's where you get the sultry. That's where the sultry <laughs> comes from. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, it's it's super cool to to just, you know, hear, hear so much of like your background, like how you guys, you know, started as a family. And just like, mm-hmm. I, I love tracing that back because, you know, as, as much as... Um, you know, as, as much as like you guys are going to do so many things that are going to put you, you know, in the, in the spotlight on the forefront of like, you know, just like the, the culinary community here in Atlanta, like that's the thing that I love selfishly, like that I love <laughs> to get on my show is like, it's like, I want to know what you were like as a kid. Like, you know, talk to me about like what kind of eater you were, like who cooked for you. Like those are my favorite questions. Right, Cause like, right. and it's really fun too, especially like, you know, sometimes I'll look down at my recorder and it's like, we just spent like 28 minutes talking about like, you know, how you, you know, built forts in your backyard or whatever you know but right, like right. those those are some or chase chickens into yeah. to be slaughtered yeah but that's like that, that's like the coolest story you yeah know? like i yeah. love that man it's right. just uh it's definitely like my favorite favorite part but um but yeah i mean i guess like you know fast forwarding a little bit from from your past you know um you you actually have um <laughs> your your journey has taken you quite a few places so right you yeah. know from from a young age like where where did you go from like growing up in georgia like how did you get into more fine dining uh, I didn't make that conscious decision to do to go into fine dining. It's just the food really is what what drove me. Um, growing up in the restaurant industry, I would get all these like restaurant magazines uh, mailed to my mom's and father's restaurant, and I would just flip through them all the time and just mm-hmm. be like, "Man, this food is so beautiful." And then from then, I would like you know look at cookbooks and these sh- all the chefs that were producing the food that I just really loved and really like intrigued me. Were just happened to be all these like like Eric Repair, who I ended up working for at Le Bernardin, and you know it, it just kind of drove me into fine dining that way. Um, yeah, like and and it's not even you know I don't it's not that I love fine dining or it's just it fine dining it gives me the the creative outlet and in terms of the craft it's just really what makes me passionate about about cooking is how much craft goes behind it. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. So give me like the brief timeline of you're growing up in Georgia. You're, you know, sure. your family is in and out of restaurants. How do you, what, what's like between, like, how did you end up at La Bernadette? Okay. So, so I was in my, I think it was 2003. I was in my third year of, of going to school at UGA. I was technically was not a junior, but it was still my third year. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I was going through that quarter life crisis where I was like, man, I, you know, I don't want to do business. Like I don't, I don't care about, you know, accounting and finance or whatever. And, and I had always worked part-time in restaurants. Um, I, I was the social chair of my uh, fraternity. And I, all the events that I did were always food-related events. And my, par- my roommate at the time was like, Ronald, why don't you become a chef, man? You cook now. You grew up in the restaurant industry. All you, everything you do is food-related. And, and, you know, and I was like, yeah, that's not a bad idea. And, and, I, and I thought about it. And I was like, I don't know if my parents would be cool with that um, simply because, you know, they, they – they've always talked to me about having more of a white collar job, like go be a doctor, go be a lawyer. Like, yeah. you know, we want you to have a better life than us kind yeah, of thing. Right. For and, sure. And I was like, all right, well, you know what? I, so I devised this plan. I was like, I'm going to approach my mom who was really the, the head of the household. And I was like, I'm going to approach my mom and tell her like that I'm going to be a chef, but in order to sell it to her, I'm going to tell her I'll finish my business degree. Um, so that she'll, you know, be okay with it. And so I waited till she was in a good mood and I was like, mom, I want to talk to you. Like, and I basically was like, look, I don't want, I don't, I want to become a chef, you know, and I know you thought I was going to become a, a businessman or something and like whatever. And my mom was like, Ronald, like, and I was like, I'll finish my, I'll finish my degree. And my mom was like, why waste your time? Like just drop out next semester and go to culinary school. And I was like, all right, it sounds good. But my mom was very smart. She was like, I don't know if I buy it, Ron, um, or Ronald back then. Um, and she was like, if you really want to do that, um, go hold a job like another like a, a serious cooking job not just at like the local pizzeria like go find a real like more of a, a fancier restaurant or yeah. like and see if you hold it down and so i was like all right so then i so then i did that um i moved on from rocky's pizzeria in athens to <laughs> to a, a really awesome uh tapas bar called speakeasy mm-hmm. i don't i don't think it's still around anymore but i i went there and you know and i flourished there like i i became like the lead line cook in like a, like a, under a month and you know, my mom was like, okay, you didn't get fired. So maybe you're serious and maybe you can do it. And <laughs> you know, she, uh, so she, she backed me up on it. Wow. Yeah. Go mom. Yep. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's fun when your yeah. parents kind of throw you for a loop. You're like, oh man, yep. like I know what they're going to say. You know what I mean? Like the typical, <laughs> like the, the typical parent, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I'd say the same thing for my kids. Yeah. Like I want you to have a better life yeah. than yeah. your mom and I do. Yeah. You know? But well, I'm digressing a little bit, but like, no, you're exactly <laughs> right. And, and this was, I always saw my mom like in the kitchen, like you saw your mother, like, being, yeah. you know, and, and my mom at heart really is an artist and wants us to ch- chase our passion and not chase mm. money. So like, you know, and I didn't realize that until literally like maybe seven, eight years ago until I'm, you know, older and more career minded and. You know, so like it was, it was a real blessing. Um, so after that, and I, and you know, I never got fired at, I didn't get fired at Speakeasy, you know, <laughs> like I enrolled in culinary school in, uh, at a Cordon Bleu in Australia. Whoa. Um, yeah. So the reason why I chose Australia was really two main reasons is I love Asian food and the, and the, and, and Sydney, Australia is such a hotbed of Asian fusion cooking. Um, because they're so the proximity to Asia. Sure. Um, and also my roommate at the time was also planning on studying abroad there. So I was like, you know what, like, you know, why don't I see if they have a program I like? And I, and I, I wanted to learn French food and I was, and I always felt like if I wanted to go study in Paris or France, the language might be a barrier and I wouldn't learn as much as I could. So 
I kind of settled in on Australia and I left, um, I left Athens in 03 and then moved to Australia and studied there for a year and a half. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. I did, I did that. My, my course had two, two, uh, basically a savory and a pastry course. So I did my savory course first and it got a little too expensive for me. So then I, I also, then I, then I also dropped out of culinary school. (laughs) So yeah, my, you know, my success rate at school is not very good. Um, (laughs) so then I moved back to, to Atlanta in 05 and then I worked at Dish Restaurant in the Virginia Highlands for a year and a half. Get out. Under Sherry Davis. Yep. Wow. So I got to give a shout out to Sherry. She's, she, to me, she was like my first real mentor and Mm. without her, I wouldn't be where I am today. Um, so much love to you, Sherry, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> we'll make sure she gets yes. the episode. <laughs> I will. Yes, I will send her the link. <laughs> um, so, you know, I went to Dish and I, and I became her chef to cuisine in, I think, like three or four months. Uh, her sous chef had left shortly after I arrived. And she and I was like, look, I want to be your right-hand person in the kitchen. And she gave me the reins to her kitchen. And, you know, and she really kind of guided me until, um, until I was ready to make a, another leap. And that was to to move to New York and when I had that conversation with her I was like look Sherry I love working here but I I, I, I want to go out and, and work in in some of the, the the top of the top spots and Sherry Sherry's history is she came from New York from uh, to Atlanta so hmm. she gave me some recommendations and she also had worked at Le Bernardin, um for a while gotcha. and, and she was like look if you want I can set you up with the stodge um, at these restaurants and Le Bernardin was one of them so I took a long weekend off and and went up to New York and worked at three restaurants and Le Bernardin was one of them and you know they um after my they only they only had me stodge one day because they knew I was flying from um from out of state and I couldn't most people have to stodge three days uh but I was a special uh, case and because Sherry had such um a prominent role with Eric Repair back then she helped open Brasserie Lacoe's Oh wow! Back in back uh, in Lenox, back I don't know how long, long ago it was that early two thousands. Mm-hmm. So you know they they remembered Sherry and you know basically I did my stodge and the 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 culinary director of Le Bernardin had written basically a letter to Sherry in an envelope and gave it to me and was like thank you for sending Ron to New York. We would love to have Ron on our team. Um, and I Whoa. wasn't supposed to read it, but I, as soon as I got back to my hotel room, I held it up to the light and I was like, yes, I just got a job, you know? So anyways, I went back to Atlanta and I was like, Sherry, they gave you me this letter to give to you. And I had a, a coy, like I didn't know what was going on. What does on. it say? <laughs> she doesn't know this part of the story, by the way. So she, surprise. Yep. Um, so anyways, I, I came back to Atlanta after the weekend and you know, uh, I called the restaurant, uh, Le Bernardin a week later just to confirm like a start date. And once I got that confirmation, I told Sherry like, Hey, like, they offered me a job and I, I want to move up there in May and 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 that was it and so May rolled around and this is 06 now I was at Dish for about a year and a half um, I moved up to New York I was able to uh, I was able to save a few thousand dollars to just to help me get settled in and I moved up to New York and and then that's how I ended up in New York for the last 10 years dang and uh, at Le Bernardin so. so you were at you were at Le Bernardin for 10 years off and on uh-huh. I was there total about nine uh nine years um the first i uh yeah so i moved up to new york and i started at the bottom you know doing salads and raw fish basically the the cold appetizers at the bernadette um and i worked my way up to uh, a sous chef in about two and a half years and then you know my my role as a as a junior sous chef kind of evolved into a senior sous chef and also i ended up being a consultant chef Hmm. for a chef repair he had other 
at that time he had other properties around the country yeah and and also one in the cayman Islands. so right part of my job was to kind of go to the those restaurants and do some r&d some quality control also do some support for them if they were ever in a bind um and i also got to do a lot of media work for chef repair so it was like it was such a evolving role i had with him um it, it, which is really why i ended up staying at Bernadette for as long as i did because uh, he exposed me to so many sides of the restaurant industry that's amazing you know and yeah, and one of one of the one of the main reasons why I also had this opportunity from Air Repair was that um, from an early on I got to I, I showed like a keen affinity to creating dishes and and he really values creativity and so he gave me an opportunity to have that part as as my main role at Le Bernardin was to was to create dishes and he was like look Ronald when we're not busy um, I want you to play play around in the kitchen we'll order whatever you want don't worry about the price tag like if you want to order a pound of truffles to make a truffle soup like we got it like you know just a pound of truffles yeah, seriously <laughs> and he was like if you need special equipment Man. you know like I want you to just think of my kitchen as your playground and you know having all these different roles and these like responsibilities yes you chef. know was like yeah I'll do it <laughs> That's amazing. you know so that so that first and lasted for about seven years um and then, you know, at that time, I was, I, there wasn't too much hire for me to go. Um, and I wanted, for me, I, was always, I always wanted to be a, a, the chef of my own, my own restaurant or kitchen, right? So I got an opportunity to go run a French-Vietnamese restaurant called Le Colonial. And I always loved um, Vietnamese food. And I thought, you know, Vietnamese, the French influence in Vietnamese food would help me acclimate to Vietnamese food. Um, and, and it's really, and Vietnamese food is such a, it's, it's like fusion in itself with the French influence. So oh, I was like, yeah. you know what? I, it's right on my alley. I get, I, you know, it's a good opportunity for me to see if I can do it. And so I did that for two years. Um, uh, but at the end of the two, my two years, uh, at Le Colonial, I knew I wanted to get back into, um, fine dining. Um, so I went back on the job market and as I was interviewing for, I did a lot of tastings for other restaurants. Um, and they would always call it Chef Repair for reference, right? And and then, you know, I guess during this process, Chef Repair, um, he, he wanted to open up like a, a, a I guess, an R&D department to his restaurant. Um, and I guess he was just like, you know what, maybe Ronald will come back and become my creative director. Mm. And so he so he he um, he got in contact with me. I had a couple meetings with him. He's like, look, you know, before you kind of had this mixed role of doing service and, you know, traveling and, you know, still working the line from time to time. But if I want you to come back and be my creative director and we'll give you a part of the kitchen because um, they also expanded at that time, we'll, 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 we'll just cut you off like a corner of our kitchen and have three days a week we want you to be completely isolated and really just focus on creating dishes and helping me conceptualize stuff and working with me and you know like we would work in tandem a lot and he would also give me free reign to do whatever i want but it was like you know he was like your playground just expanded into like a stadium like you know so i was like okay like yeah i'll, I'll do it Dude. um so I, I so i went back for a year and a half as a creative director where i really got to hone in on you know creating more dishes and, and playing around and you know and it, was, it, was, it was awesome it was yeah. like a, it's not many restaurants have the ability to sustain a department where right you know you can just here's your here's food. your palate yeah, yeah. Like just go nuts yeah and i'm just it's, it'd be like going to like a guitar player and be like here here's a room filled with 200 guitars <laughs> and like all this recording equipment and whatever yeah. you need just go play music all the time so that's basically what i did uh, for about a year and a half and you know I would still get slightly involved with you know service only when they were like 
at their peak busyness that I would get involved. But for the most part, you know, it was a, r- a real opportunity for me to kind of work on my creative side and help develop dishes and just get to work with Chef Repair one-on-one was, was amazing too. I, yeah, man. And, and if you're listening to this and you don't know who Chef Eric Repair is, I mean, he's, he is a behemoth of... Yeah. Uh, of New York fine dining, mm-hmm. really right. I mean, so much, I mean, French cuisine, but especially just, I mean, amazing, amazing seafood. It's on yeah. my hit list. I mean, kind of a three, you know, I mean, if I could really choose, like, um, it's funny. I mean, you know, I, I just uh, I interviewed Chef Pano, you know, right. from Kima, and we were talking about Le Bernardin and Jean-Georges and the yes. French Laundry. Yes. And I was like, you know, those are three restaurants that, like, if I could you know, jet set and just go visit, like, it's going to be one of those three, you know, yeah. and like, I, I don't know that I could really pick which one would be first, you know, I can right, just like, right. you know, pick a number out of a hat or something, but, um, but an incredible, incredible chef. And, yep. um, I mean, he, I feel like he's, he's also just, uh, like it, there's been so much where you can, um, you know, through either other TV shows or something on Netflix or even his own, mm-hmm. um, you know, like he, he's, he's kind of like become a little bit more accessible, which is really, yeah. really awesome. You know, like if you, if you knew of, um, La Bernadine, you know, it was because of how much infamy, you know, that restaurant has, <laughs> you know, I've always like constantly three Michelin stars. Yeah. And, yep. Um, but dude, that's, that's like a holy shit kind of story, man. That's yeah. amazing. And, and you know, the, the thing I, lo- I love that you said just now was how accessible Chef Prepare has become. He's mm-hmm. kind of like, even though he's considered like a demigod in, in cooking yeah. of chefs, like all around the world, like he's considered like a legend now. He's like a living legend, right? Totally. He's, and he, he is accessible. Like mm-hmm. my relationship with him was just like, like the way I'm talking to you, you know, very it's down amazing. to earth. Um, and the thing that most impressed me was when I think it was like my third week working at Le Bernardin. Um, you know, he would come through the kitchen to check up on things and he, someone like poked me on my, my, like my, my love handles, you know, and it kind of tickled me. And I was like, who the hell's like tickling me while I'm cutting vegetables right now? And I look up and it's Eric Repair. And he's like, hey, Ron. And I was like, oh, wow, he knows my name. Um, you know, and I've only been here for three weeks. And like, LaBernadette has probably like 30 to 40 cooks, right? And, right. you know, I just assumed it would take him, a, you know, maybe six months to, before he knew who I was. But <laughs> he knew who I was right away. And it Man. was just like, you know, it was, it was amazing just to have him like, I mean, Eric Repair, like, I had his cookbooks before I started working right. there. And, like, right. You know, it was just like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, it's like it, you yeah. Know, just like, you know, the same thing you said, like, you know, going to like a you know, room full of guitars and music equipment. It's yeah. like it's like listening to the band that you love the most mm-hmm. and you know everything about them. And yeah. you, you own everything that they've ever created or you've consumed everything that they've ever created. And then it's like, hey, do you want to like come hang out on the tour bus and just <laughs> yeah. like be yeah. our friend? And yeah, like you can start doing stuff for the band. Mm-hmm. And uh, dude, that's amazing. Yeah, it was awesome. It yeah. was awesome. Yeah. So there's there's kind of like two 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 like uh parallels and we'll cover i guess the the first part so you're working at Bernadin for almost 10 years and yep. one of the most incredibly which i can also imagine like it has to be a pretty intense position that you're holding there yep. it doesn't sound it's not like a cakewalk by any means but you know you you actually are back here in atlanta now mm-hmm. and you guys are getting ready to open a restaurant pretty soon that's right. lazy betty and we're going to get to that but okay so between laverne den you guys are opening a restaurant here in candler park um talk to me about being on the final table oh oh man the final table was also very intense um and it just you know it, it was still not like laverne den prepared me very well to be to work under high stress situations and environments mm-hmm. um so i mean it, it was just it was just on every level it was just amazing like 
not just the production value, like the the set that we had to cook, cook on was in the Sony Studios, and it was literally like, like I felt like it was as big as Lenox Mall, but just an empty warehouse. And we got there before the set had been completed, and we got to see it kind of be finished out. And it was just the transformation from it being an empty warehouse into what you saw on TV was just spectacular. And and I'm talking about a room like the size of like a base, like a, let's say the basketball court with the with the seating, and then and then they just filled it out filled it out with like you know the stadium seating on one side, then ten different kitchens, and then they had this almost like flat screen. TV that went around the whole, almost the whole, the whole building, and it was just like amazing. They had this podium that would rise and 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 yeah. And, and the the picture that you're painting, I mean, watching the whole show, yeah. Um, and I can't wait for it to come back. But like, um, I'm also I, I love Andrew Knowlton. I right. mean, and also yeah, an, another awesome. another Atlanta guy. Yeah, you know, that's right. Super cool. So yep. you know, seeing him do that, but then just like you know, my wife and I are like looking at each other because like we watch so many just either cooking shows or competitions, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. especially just seeing you know people of of varying levels of uh you know of of either notoriety or um you know especially cuisine right and uh but just we kept like coming back to the the detail of of how impressive every detail of like the motion of the camera and like how the lighting was and then that crazy actuator of like a stage <laughs> like they get they sit at the table right. and then they go up like two stories you're like what the hell like this yeah. isn't and then like the door opens to like the the pantry and you're like dear god like this is yeah, like it's, it's amazing like, it's like a transforming yeah. set like but it was and especially watching you guys cook right you know i mean it was it was we we went back and watched a few episodes again because we're like we're missing we're like missing details because we had to like you know wait for this this right. this small thing to like kind of process and then right. you're trying to like dissect each dish and you're like wait 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 go back and then i mean but then it's like it's also like the friggin un you right because it's like people from all over the world yeah it, it's ridiculous like it's how netflix conceptualized this show like you know when when i got approached by it i i, I asked them like what kind of cooking show is this going to be is it going to be like kind of like you're going to throw us into weird situations and make us cook with like our <laughs> left eye closed right. and with our right hand only and they're like no it's going to be about the food and about the chefs about your passions where you're coming from you know your story and like when they told us that and they, i was like okay it's really going to be about you know the craft and the the, the culinary arts and then when they told us the level of chefs that they wanted to get and some of the, and how like the judges that they were getting, I was like, Oh man, this is no joke. Like they're, they're really going after like, you know, the top of the top here. And, yeah. and I remember, um, when I was auditioning for the show, um, I saw Mark best, uh, on, on set who's, he was on the top 50 list three years in a row. He's probably Australia's most well-known chef. And I, I couldn't quite place him. And I was like, who, who are you? And you know, I started talking to him. He was like, Oh, my name is Mark. And I was like, I know you from somewhere. Uh, and then, yeah. you know, when our conversation kind of died, I, I Googled Mark or uh, this restaurant called Mark in, in Australia. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, this is Mark Best. And I was, and I was like, oh, are you, are, you a, are you a judge on the show? He's like, no, I'm a contestant. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> I'm going up against you. Like, <laughs> I was reading your cookbook like a week ago, you, yeah. you know, and it was just the level of the talent that they got and. It, it was amazing. Even my part, my chef partner is a two Michelin star chef in Japan, yeah. you know, like it was, it was ridiculous. Like the, just the quality of cooks that they got. And, and not only that, like one thing you mentioned was a pantry, like Netflix really like they have no, they did not put any kind of budget on the kind of ingredients <laughs> or quality of ingredients. Like yeah. it was, they really gave us a great platform to really showcase 
food and our passion and our craft like it was it was it was amazing yeah i mean it was it was incredible and like i mean right. if you want to watch the show like go watch the show you know yeah. and like you know you can kind of see all the detail and like just how intense you guys were actually working right. you know, sometimes like within an hour maybe a little bit more yeah. Yeah. you know but i mean creating some of these dishes were just I mean, so adventurous, so right. conceptually driven, so creative, so right. colorful, so, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, just different shapes and like the plates and like, there was just like, it, it was, it was things that you would see, you know, like in pictures from, you know, restaurants like Alinea, you know, mm -hmm. and, but you guys are creating this like on a set, yeah. you know, and like, mm -hmm. it's, um, if you haven't watched it, I mean, it's, it's yeah. intense, man. Go watch it. And if you need a Netflix account. Like, yeah. let me know. I'll give you my yeah. password. Yeah. Like, well, you, it's we'll really you, my brother, so yeah. I don't care. We'll let you DM Ron and you can <laughs> use his, his Netflix account. But, right. um, but man, it was just really fun. And like, I, you know, like there's a, I've, I've had a few people on the show where like they did a competition or like right. they, you know, where they're kind of repping like Atlanta. They're like, oh yeah, Atlanta's home. And yeah, cause we, we kind of like have this, this reputation sometimes where, you know, some people are like, oh, Atlanta's just, you know, big airport, crazy traffic, yeah. Yeah. you know, but it's like, um, like let's let's talk about Buford Highway. You yeah. Know, like let's talk about some of the restaurants. Right, right. You know, like that that comprise like the east side of town or right. west side or you know, um, Buckhead or yeah. <laughs> just you know, like I that that to me is like that's kind of the flag I'm always waving. Right, it's like, right. dude, like if there's someone who's repping Atlanta, I'm like rah rah all the way. <laughs> so like yeah. I saw I saw you right like when when I started like first seeing because like I I I remember hearing about this like Andrew Knowlton was like kind of teasing things of like oh I'm working right. on a TV show I'm like hell yes like that's gonna be awesome yeah and then I saw you and I was like dude yes <laughs> and like I was just so pumped so yeah. I, uh, I I always get really stoked whenever there's right. something like you know someone's like uh you know kind of bringing it home for atlanta yeah so but well, i'm glad you brought that up because i feel like you know an underrepresented part of atlanta the atlanta foodscape is the whole like international it is totally. it's not just about you know farm to table southern food like you know fried chicken and biscuits and stuff like that yeah. like there's so much more and i felt like you know, the, with within the last fifteen to twenty years, you have you know restaurants like Bacchanaya and Eugene, which are super high profile. Sure. Um, you know, but I feel like as much as those kinds of restaurants have shaped the Atlanta foodscape food scene, you have Buford Highway who who's contributed just as much, just on a different yeah. level, right? And totally. And for me, I was like, you know, growing up in a Chinese restaurant, and I would go to Chinese school growing up on Buford Highway and eat the barbecue corner uh, off of Buford Highway, right? right? Like. And, uh, and for me, I was like, you know what? Like, this is an international cooking competition. Um, I want to show the world that Atlanta has more to offer than just southern, yeah, yeah, I mean, buttermilk biscuits and cornbread, stuff. yeah, and cornbread, big and, time, yeah, and grits. You know, so for me, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna cook what I cook, and I'm gonna rep Atlanta the way I, I, yeah. the way, the way I grew up in Atlanta. You know, totally. So, and like yeah. even <clears throat> like when we first moved here, like six or seven years ago. Uh, you know, my parents would come to visit and we would take them to Buford Highway. Like that'd be yeah. the first place. Cause like, yeah. Hey, especially with, you know, with my parents, like they're, they're, they're totally down to explore. Like let's, let's get a little uncomfortable, just like, right. the, like ordering something or going to a restaurant that we don't really know. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing to take them like really within not even a mile radius. I'm right. like, we're going to go to Chef Lu and have Zhao Long Bao. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to go to you know, an amazing Vietnamese like bakery. Yeah. And then right. we're going to go to Buford highway farmers market and yeah. we're going to see things that you didn't even know were in right. existence. Yeah. And then we can get like, you know, I mean, choose any, you know, Korean barbecue and right. like, it's, it's all yeah. like same. I mean, you're going to like some amazing, amazing, you know, Asian influence and then Mediterranean and then Incan and mm -hmm. then, and but it's all on the same yeah. road. And like, 
there's there's a lot and there's some amazing people who are doing a really great job at storytelling and right. really uncovering you know kind of the underbelly of uh of Buford Highway right. as, as it yeah. were but I um I think that that's just kind of the that that's almost like the influence as well like you go to restaurants like Eugene or Bacchanalia mm-hmm. or you know um you know even with, with you know some of the restaurants that you know were um you know, just some of my favorites that are either around or have even closed. Like that's amazing that that's like the influence that's kind of here in the city. Yeah. And it's, it's so much of the DNA yeah. of what it's like to be a diner or yeah. an eater, you yeah. know, like it's, um, it's not built around like, you know, we don't, we don't tout like a, right. a laundry list of, you know, Michelin star restaurants. Right, you know, I right. think that'll, that'll come in the future, but right. you know, it's, um, it's, it's just the, it's the, it's the crazy variety, yeah. you know, and especially the people that right. make it happen. You know, one thing I always love to ask, um, any foodies or people or chefs is like, you know, us being living right next to Pont City Market is like, mm-hmm. would you rather have Pont City Market next door to you or Buford Highway? Right. And everyone is always like Buford Highway, For you, sure. you know, like even yeah. though there's like, you know, Monero, Sean Brock's in, 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 uh, oh, yeah. yeah, Jonathan Waxman is in Pont City Market, but I'm like, no, totally. I'd rather... I'd rather eat at Buford Highway. Like, yeah. if I could just change Pont City Market and put it on Buford Highway and put Buford Highway right off of Ponce de Leon Avenue. Yeah, you know? so totally. It's it's pretty funny. Yeah. yeah, but man, it was just super fun to like you know watch you cook. I mean, again, oh, thank like you, you know, thank you. go go check out Final Table. I mean, it was just it was such a blast to watch. Yeah. And like yeah. we, we we like we just saw it coming, and it's it's going to be here soon. And like, right, um, right. I, I swear, I was like, I thought it was supposed to be available like two days from now, but it was like <laughs> I could stream it on Netflix. I was like, right, let's watch right. it. Like, yeah. so we were pumped, man. Right, right, but, good. Um. But dude, I mean that's 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 super cool too. I mean like huge feather in your cap. Congratulations you. on thank the you job well done and thank you. Um, but let's shift gears and let's talk about like the the, the job at hand, like the task at hand. Like right. let's talk about Lazy Betty. Okay, let's talk. What do you what do you want to know? <laughs> well, it's it's been really cool. I mean another thing that you know we, right. I I've always you know been really excited about like since you guys kind of announced like. You know, I mean, just seeing like little hints of, you know, some of the, some of like the pop-ups that you guys have done, right, or, you know, right. just like, you know, kind of teasing out some of the menu items, but, mm-hmm. um, but give us an idea of like, you know, what's, you know, what well, you guys are opening over in Candler Park, like right off of DeKalb, which That's is right. super exciting. Yep. You know, 1530 having, DeKalb Avenue. Yeah. For those of you who, you know. <laughs> yeah. Know. And we'll, we'll have everything available so you can, <laughs> you can kind of check it out. But, um, but what you guys are opening is really cool because right. it's, it's, it's really the only restaurant of its kind that's kind of in the neighborhood, which mm-hmm. is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but give me an idea of like, you know, what, I mean, obviously having so much influence from La Din and like, you know, your entire career, you know, give, give us an idea of like, what's kind of the approach of Lazy Betty? Like, what do you guys want to do from a culinary perspective? Uh, from a culinary perspective, it's really going to just be food that is basically the culmination of my, my life experience and my work history. Um, you know, we're going to, we're going to use a lot of Asian influence. Um, we're going to use a lot of European influence being that I, you know, trained in a French restaurant and went to a French culinary school. Um, but at the heart of it is just going to be about the ingredients, finding the best possible ingredients and treating them, um, not excessively in any way. Um, and really trying to let the product speak for itself and not, you know, like we're going to have, you know, we're going to make our look, our food look beautiful, but it won't be superfluous in any way we're not going to just put flowers because they're pretty and they don't match the flavor profile yeah. of the dish or anything like that um, use tweezers yeah and and for and the main thing that we're you know that will probably set us apart from most other restaurants in um in atlanta is that we are we want to do a tasting menu and the and the main reason nice. why we want to do that is because i always equate when you go eat at a tasting menu at a restaurant it's the same as listening to the whole album of, of your favorite music artist, you know, instead of, you know, you can go get a, go to a restaurant where it's all a card and you order only order one dish. Well, that's like the same as just listening to one track. 
off and on. But if you listen to the whole thing, you know, you get taken on a journey. You know, you have emotional peaks and lows and, and you get to experience different musical instruments and different flavor and, and you know, in, in a restaurant's case, different flavor profiles, different ingredients. And you really get to see the, a chef's approach and and understand the chef's story behind the whole food and and one one approach that we really we really want to adopt is can our food hit the hit the customer on an emotional level Mm. or or peak them intellectually you know like you know food if your food's not going to be good then you're probably not going to be a chef or open up a restaurant it's got to be visually appealing but for us we want to be able to hit 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 our customers on another level and that's you know, getting them to be generally excited about our food somehow or have some kind of emotional attachment to it by the end of their meal. And, you know, that's really what we're trying to get to yeah, as well. And um, it's uh, it, it's really cool, too, because, I mean, I feel like the like the tasting menu, if if that's lost on anyone and um, if you've never been to a restaurant where tasting menu, I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a really cool way of approaching. Like here's prefix. Right. And it, it is an opportunity to tell a story and mm-hmm. it's cool that you guys are bringing that because it's not it's it's not ubiquitous it's not it's no, not something it's not. that you it's not something that you see here very often that's right um i mean definitely like right down the street you know you got staple house mm-hmm. where they've like ryan and his team you know they've um they, they've really mapped out a really fun way of doing that's right you know, yep. a, a tasting menu and uh it, it's kind of taken people by surprise you know like right there it and, and I think that's it's really cool that that's um, there's going to be more accessibility to you know how you can tell that story mm-hmm. and it changes the the approach from the diner side as well like hey you know you're used to like maybe you're a planner and you want to know what you're going to order as soon right. as you sit down I want like you know this salad and the, these hot apps and then I want to order this entree and this dessert right. and like that's my evening you right. know but like it's 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 a it's cool too because it's a lot of um, it's a lot of trust too of like hey yeah. chef like your your interpretation of how someone should come here and dine mm-hmm. um we need more of that yeah i, I totally I th- do i think uh you know you, you hit the nail right on the head it's with the tasting menu you got to have a little trust in the chef and and you got to be willing to explore and and kind of get go, get out of your comfort zone a little bit and you know uh and i think one one thing that i don't think diners uh, are really prevalent to because you know not everyone works in the restaurant industry and they don't know the the, um, the financial side of it. But like getting a tasting menu at a restaurant where everything is predetermined and you can really guess at how much of a certain product you'll sell and how much of a certain product you'll you'll need really gives the chef more control and you know you don't there's not as much waste. Um, you know the the price might be a little bit higher, but the value is even greater because if you wanted to go to an a la carte res- restaurant and order you know, let's say eight different things, you're going to pay probably triple than what you would if you got a tasting sure. menu with eight different courses. Yeah. You know, so because the chef has more control, it really helps translate that over to a better experience for the customer. And and it's like you can orchestrate a symphony better when you know exactly what you're what you're going to play. And yeah. 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 So. Yeah. What's a dish you're really stoked about putting on the menu? Uh, one one of the more popular dishes uh, we've done is I would call it like um, we equivalented to going truffle hunting in Georgia. So, mm. you know, we, we take basically some a fancy ma- version of a mashed potatoes and we infuse it with a lot of red wine and some herbs. And that we put into a little dish where we, you know, that's really to emulate a lot of the Georgia red clay you can find. Um you know, I'm working with a lot of local artists to make ceramics here, and they use some Georgia red clay in our dish. So this was kind of the inspiration for that. 
uh, and then above that layer of um, of palm puree or, or mashed potatoes, we put a layer of sliced truffles from from we either get them from um, from France or Spain usually uh, when they're in season, and then above that we do like uh, something that looks like soil but it's really not soil, and then above this layer of soil, then we put some locally foraged or locally grown like root vegetables and. You know, we tell the diner, like, if you dig through the layer of vegetables and past the layer of, of soil, you get truffles. And underneath the layer of truffles, you get you get to the Georgia red clay. And that's really kind of to, to just show off Georgia and how great the agriculture is here. And, sure. you know, and, and that's that's a dish that people really love. Um, another dish that I, that I do uh, it comes from late nights at Waffle House. Um, growing up, uh, you know, when my mom got out of the uh, out of the restaurant, Waffle House was the only thing that was open. Mm-hmm. So then we would go there, and my mom would always order steak and eggs. And so I do a, a version of steak and eggs. So nice, you know. Yeah. Um, oh man. Yeah. Smothered, covered, scattered. <laughs> well, time. I don't. I don't go that far with the with the wa- with <laughs> no, the Waffle House connection, no. but you know. Yeah. If you yeah. if you put that into a tasting menu, I'm sure that it would translate eventually. You could. You, you could. Totally could. Yeah, you, you totally could. Yeah. You totally could. Yeah. We do it differently. We pair it with some wagyu. Um, and we do it with a with a like a sous vide egg yolk, and uh, and nice. we when the flavor profile hits a little bit more on the Japanese side of things, we pair with some wasabi and some ponzu. So nice, yeah. I'll do it. Yeah. I mean, just seeing again, like some of the some of the photos of some of the dishes that you guys are, you know, they're still in like testing phase. But I mean, right, like it's right. just looking beautiful too. Right. I mean, it's um. I mean, again, you know, and you know, I want to I want to you know talk a little bit more just about like Candler Park. Candler sure. Park has a huge, I mean, huge spot in my heart. I mean, that's like the first neighborhood that we lived in right, when we right. moved. Here and um, but again, like having this level of dining in right. the neighborhood is um, it, it's it's something new. I mean, it, like yeah. historically, something very new yeah. for Atlanta, and yeah. um, it's going to change the way that I think yeah. people experience dining in a neighborhood yeah. because you know, um, you know, we talk about Buford Highway, we talk mm-hmm. about you know the east side or the west side of town, mm-hmm. or you know even kind of before you reach the perimeter, like things are kind of dictated by the level of approachability that the neighborhood kind of right. gives, and and even Buford Highway can right. kind of be viewed as its own like strip neighborhood, so right, to speak, right. and yeah. Um, but you you guys are going to do something that's that's very um, you know very uh, excitingly uncommon for Atlanta. That's right. Well, we, we you know looking back um, and and growing up in Atlanta, uh, I used to go to Little Five Points, and you know one of my friends lived right around the corner, and I was like, man, this place is so like so edgy and, and it's so different from all of, of all of Atlanta you know and so when we were like you know when when radio cafe shuttered and we got the opportunity to open up shop there and and move from Ponce Island we're like you know let's do it like you know Lazy Betty first and foremost will be approachable it's not going to be like white linen or like it's fancy at all it'll still be very like a neighborhood vibe but just you know very well executed food and service and we were like you know what that's kind of how like little five points was back in the day kind of you know like it, it wasn't super high-end but it was you know you'd still go there to check it out and it was still kind of it st- stuck out like a sore thumb you, sure. you know but it was still cool and 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 it still matched the neighborhood and and that's and we were kind of like you know look, we can do lazy betty there and yeah and why not our, our food is going to be is going to be awesome and you know we're going to have the right ambiance and we really want to appeal to to atlantans into the neighborhood and we just yeah. thought candler park was it's a perfect spot for it so totally dude i mean yeah. i'm just really pumped i mean again like you know you can you can walk there from the marta station if you live yep. in the neighborhood i mean buckle up i mean that's that's what's so yeah. hard i mean like we right. you know, like we walk i mean you know talking about pond city market like yeah yeah we live there yeah you know? yeah <laughs> yeah you talk about like eating at like brezza or you know yeah. monero like um yeah a lot you know so <laughs> you know the neighborhood style of dining here in atlanta is um right. is something that's really cool and i think when yeah. people experience it if they don't live here 
they see that and that's their first impression of the city um right. it sets them off on the right foot and right. then i think it, it becomes like the right catalyst of like right. like man like this is really cool that there's you know some guy's house like right really within like spitting distance yeah of, yeah or you could throw a, i don't know spitting distance might not be the right <laughs> thing well you gotta don't, be a pretty good spitter yeah don't but, <laughs> but don't spit in people's <laughs> yards don't do that but uh you know but right, really just right. like a stone's throw you know right. like and um yeah you can literally see it from the parking lot. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. that's that's Candler Park, man. This neighborhood, yeah. so it's well, it, really cool. It's funny because I, I was going through um, we're, we're going through our liquor license um, process right now, and part of the process is you have to try to get the support of your neighbors. And I walked mm-hmm. around the neighborhood the other day and knocking on doors and just meeting the neighbors and trying to get them to sign our our uh, our permit. And you mm-hmm. know, like there's the amount of support that they that that I have from them already, and I don't I don't know them. And yeah. They're like, oh yeah, we love food and. You know, it just, I just feel like it's such a perfect match with, with the people that are from Kenler Park and, and all the other neighboring neighborhoods too, sure. like Inman Park and Virginia oh, totally. Highlands. It's just like, you know, it's just, I feel like it's indicative of who Atlanta really is. Oh, totally. Um, yeah. Yeah. So no, Candler's like a, it's a good group of folks, mm-hmm, man. Mm-hmm. It's going to be great. But that'd be another thing too, is if, you, if you're ever going to like, you know, have to try and like sign, you know, some sort of support or petition, right, like, right. like, can we just come in and we'll just watch Netflix for a minute? And like, this is me like on yeah. this really cool show. That's right. Yeah. Like that's me right there. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, you know, I'm celebrity, friend. you know, yeah, like I'm, I'm your yeah. friend. I'm your friend. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. But man, like I, I am so pumped about right. Lazy Betty opening and um, it's coming soon. Yep, yep, it is coming soon. We're still fine-tuning the menu. Um, we're, we're probably about 80 to 90% done with our tasting menu. We just got to fill out our a la carte menu um, that we're going to have in our lounge and in our patio during the warmer months. Um, but we're almost there. And, That's you know, awesome, man. Yeah. So pumped. But... You know, I'm sure by the time that we're, you know, hitting publish on this episode, like we'll be <laughs> talking about like, you know, some of your first like couple couple weeks in business. But um yeah. but Chef Ron, like such a pleasure and an honor to have you on the show, man. Right. Thanks for joining yeah, me. And thank you for having me and uh, you know, I hope we can do this again and Yeah. yeah. We'll we'll either sit down and we'll n- watch Netflix together. Yeah, I'm sure your... I'll I'm sure I'll run in, run into yeah. you on the belt line. Yeah, we'll run into <laughs> you on the belt line and we'll see you at Lazy Betty soon. Yeah, thank so. you very much. Thanks, Chef. Something that is super exciting about Lazy Betty, these guys are actually getting ready to open relatively soon. So keep an eye on their Instagram and website for all of the details on when you can go visit Chef Ron and experience the menu that you just heard about. So head over to LazyBettyATL.com and read up. And thanks again to Chef Ron for being on the show. And if you want a fanboy like me just a little bit, go watch him tear it up on the final table available now on Netflix. This podcast is recorded all over our beautiful city and edited over on the east side of town by me, your host. Hello again. Our design is headed up by JJ Getz, and if you like what you hear, you can support us right now on Patreon for just $5 a month. I'm your host, Ben Getz, and you've been listening to the Atlanta Foodcast. Stay hungry.